fast, efficient and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Hello and welcome to episode 751 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is William Tompkinson III. The, the Esquire. Third. Third. Sir William Tompkinson III Esquire. The second, you would be correct at. Ah, oh. <laughs> close. You're the second Sir William Tompkins. I am. It's quite... <laughs> I am indeed. I should feel honoured to be in your presence, sir. Technically a lord, not a sir, but, you know, I'll let you off. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, kind sir. Lord. Oh, lord. <laughs> Thank you, my lord. I'll be bull drinking, you can be black <laughs> yeah. I have a cunning plan, my lord. That's... Yeah, apparently I'm actually Scottish royalty, I discovered. So there you go. Ah. Yeah. My sister's been doing her family tree and, um, yeah, technically Scottish royalty. Who would have figured? Furthest I could go back was some dude who came over on a ship from England, but that was it. It's funny. It's I, like... I, I'm Scottish royalty, but I can have an Italian dual citizenship. Mm. <laughs> because none of my grandparents um, renounced... Their citizenship. So I'm born Italian citizen, even though I was born in Australia. So I've just discovered as well that I actually can apply to be dual, dual citizenship. Oh, it's Mr. Tompkinson, huh? Australian Italian, but I'm Scottish royalty. Hey, it's very nice, sir. I'm not Italian. I don't don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It's good to have you on the show, man. So, yeah, that's all weird. But, um, so yes, it's all fun and games. Did you do the ancestry? I did that a few months ago. Uh, my sister's doing all that stuff. That was interesting. Jeez. We got um, I like fifty percent Scottish, and then uh, English, and I think a bit, of, a little bit of Irish or something. Yeah. And my daughter got watered down. She's only thirty-three percent Scottish. <laughs> I'm um, I'm predominantly Italian, Scottish Italian predominantly. Yep. But I've got a bit of English and a couple of bits of piece in there. We got like Mackays and Mackenzies and Campbells and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't tell you that. I know that I've still got um, active relatives on the throne in Scotland. Ah, so, you'll have to pop over one day. Well, I do own land over there. Nice. Apparently. <laughs> you buy it with or Bitcoin? I- I have access to land over there, apparently, because I've got royalty. There's, like, parcels of land that are allocated. I don't know. So what are you still doing in Queensland? <laughs> well, you can't leave. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I can get on a boat, I suppose. Yeah. Get on a long ship. Yeah. <laughs> Slow boat to... Slow boat to nowhere. <laughs> How long did it take to sail a boat to Scotland? Let me Google that for you. <laughs> I can imagine it'd be an interesting trip. You just haven't got the money to get there, so as long as I've got enough to get there, I haven't got to get back. I'm just going to end oh, up that's to get right. there. <laughs> and technically, once you're on the boat, that's it. You don't need any more money. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to. It did people in the old days. They just jump on a boat and then end up somewhere else. And they're like, yeah, this will do. Well, i got a friend who's traveled the world several times. Um, he literally just jumps onto cargo boats and stuff and asks them the, to be, you know, not necessarily deckhand, but he says, hey, can I, you know, be cleaner and clean the bunks or clean the kitchen or whatever for the while we're at sea? And yep. they go, yeah, no worries. And they, you know, 
So he's basically traveled the world and it's cost him nothing. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. It reminds me of that um, lady who was married to a real estate guy and they made a ton of money. Then he passed away. So she lives on she the sold the house and <laughs> bought a cabin on the boat. And now she gets a doctor comes to a cabin anytime she wants, which you won't have happen anywhere. And you go visit all these different countries for the rest of your life. Yeah, 86-year-old widow, Lee Worcester. She's been doing yeah. it for the last seven years. It'll be more than that now. Seven years when I read the story. And, uh, yeah, she exactly. She pays a, you know, she's been doing, her husband died in 97. Um, when she started, when there was this article written? In, I don't think everyone's taking their dates off their articles these days. Uh I don't know what that's about. But yeah, so it has to be at least 10 or 12 years. Yep. But she's... Uh, you wouldn't want to get seasick for that long. Well, while she was... They were married for 50 years. During the 50-year marriage, they had 89 cruises. Wow. And then since they've been since since he died, she's done nearly 100 more and 15 world cruises. Holy crap. That's all right. Um, but yeah, she, she lives on them. And I'm just reading the article here. And she said uh, it basically costs her nothing once she... Being a permanent resident on the Crystal Serenity is not cheap. Um, this year, Mama Lee expects a high life on the high seas to cost 164000 That cost includes single occupancy stateroom on 7th deck and the luxury liner. Full board, including all specialty restaurants on top of a ship, along with all the ship's services, amenities and entertainment available. No mortgages, no groceries, no other bills. If you think about it, okay, 164000 sounds like a lot. But, you know, you, you work out your average double income household who's buying a house and food and paying for rego and a car and all this other stuff clothing and yeah you gotta be spending more on that surely you know yeah she gets everything for free sounds all right and um is that what you're gonna plan to do no when you retire i couldn't think of anything worse than to be stuck (laughs) on a boat with 300 other people who don't want to be there yeah and then gastro (laughs) breaks out (laughs) I'll yeah. just stay in my cabin, thank you. No thanks. But yeah, I mean good on her, like, you know. Why not if you can? Yeah, why not? I mean, it's kind of the whole grey nomad. Well, you think about it though, the grey nomads kind of probably isn't that much cheaper because a lot of them will sell their house for half a million bucks and they'll buy a Winnebago and a caravan you know, and a few other bits and pieces and they they walk away with nothing left out of their half a million from buying stuff to travel around the country. So, really, I mean, you know. Go see some other places that are not your country. Well, it's a thing, too, because once they stop at other countries and other, sh- you know, docks and whatever, they get the the tourist thing going on, so you get out and about and... Everything she buys is duty-free. It's all duty-free, and yeah. Not that you'd be buying much, I suppose, but... No. It, um, but you get all your tours for free, all your entertainment, all your meals, you know. Just got to find somebody who's a real estate tycoon to make money from first. Yeah, well, that's it exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you did it right, though, if you had, let's say, let's say he was a commercial real estate tycoon and he was in big business, they would only have to have ten million in the bank, and that would cover. That would be the interest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't be tap. She wouldn't be tapping into that ten million. She'd just be living on the interest of that. So, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility for, you know, especially going back 20 years, like it's yeah when real estate was really booming, commercial Compound real estate. Compound interest, you know. nice. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. That's this week in uh, Pleasure Cruises. <laughs> in what to do when you retire. And Scotland. <laughs> we, are, we are not accredited retirement strategists, so don't take all of your advice from us. No, because if I was wise, I'd say what you need to do is you need to give me the money and I'll manage it for you. Yeah. That's what the accredited people do, see? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one thing that really annoyed You don't me. give away free advice. When I was in the computer industry, all these companies I'm working for and, and designing networks and computer systems and and whatever back in, you know, late, 90, late 90s, early 2000s, yep. they're all hiring consultants at $500 an hour. I'm like, Dude, for the same price you've hired that consultant for, I could have not only designed the system, but I could have installed it and had it up and running by now. And yeah. all you've done is ask a consultant to do something, and they're, you know, 
And I know you've done it because he's come to me to ask on how to do it because they didn't know. Like, <laughs> I'm in the wrong game. I should be in a bloody Where's your cut? Yeah, I should be in a consultant, not a bloody computer tech because they're, they're the ones there making all the money. They know nothing. They don't do a damn thing. They don't know anything and they don't have to do anything. All they need to do is know people who know things. Yeah. <laughs> so I started charging you every time you asked me a question. I'm charging 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's and like, that's fine. I get yeah, five hundred now. Exactly, so. that's right. I charge you fifty bucks per question, and we'd both be happy then. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, those are the good old days. We just had a bunch of rain still ongoing tonight, and oh, then Sunday is supposed to be thirty-four, so that should be interesting. I'm not leaving the house. Well, it's still thirty degrees in here at the moment. Mm. I got the AC on too. It's twenty-one. <laughs> but stupid computers. Stupid Microsoft. So they decided. Well, I've got I've got updates turned off, but critical updates still get pushed through. So apparently, my network driver was in critically need of an update. So Windows uninstalled the network driver, and then it screwed. <laughs> and then went looking for new device driver. No internet connection found. Um, right. <laughs> Why do you think that is Microsoft? <laughs> so half an hour dicking around there to stop Microsoft from trying to update the driver so I can install the older one that was working perfectly fine. Did you uh, have the same problem with your graphics drivers? Normally it's my graphics card. It's the first time it's been on my network. It was my sound drivers a couple months ago, but normally yep. it's my normally it's my graphics cards. And You're branching then, out. No, oh, and then I had. <laughs> I got another computer that's like our second computer that we use for um, more business stuff and whatever. It's a lower spec one, but it's still it's only you know relatively decent system, and um, it's had Windows Seven on it for ever. Yep. Not even Service Pack One, just Windows Seven, and a program that we use all the time. I don't know if it was I can't remember which one. One of our accounting programs because hey, you need to at very least you need to upgrade to Seven Point uh, Service Pack. 7.1 or you know 10 or 11 or whatever fine I'll upgrade to 7 I'll put the service pack on I'll upgrade to 7.1 that's never been done yep went to the Microsoft website grabbed the offline installer sorry this file is no longer supported we don't have this file anymore <laughs> jeez you can upgrade to Windows 11 <laughs> but no I really can't yeah. click on you know upgrade to Windows 11 this device is and not supported do the checking. Do the checking. This device is not supported. You cannot upgrade to Windows 11. <coughs> right. I know. I, I. I literally. That's why I'm trying to upgrade to 7.1. Oh, but we don't support 7.1 anymore. I don't care if you don't support it. Give me the file. <laughs> Microsoft says you have to buy a new computer, sir. So then they're like, okay, well, I'll go to Windows 10. Um. But my key is not compatible anymore because the whole free upgrade thing's finished, obviously. Yep. And my Windows 7 key isn't compatible to give me a free upgrade to Windows 10 because, heaven <laughs> forbid, that'd be a thing. So I thought, well, screw it. If I've got to buy a key, because it would have only been the Windows 32 Home Edition. Yep. I thought, well, screw it. If I've got to pay for the thing anyway, I'll update it to um, the 64-bit, like Pro or whatever it was. And I installed the Windows 64-bit Pro, and it goes, hey, we found an existing Windows 7 key. Would you like to use that as your verified key? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) 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 So, apparently, I have now a verified copy of Windows 10 Pro 64 from a Windows 7 student home home (laughs) 32-bit. Uh, why does it have to be so confusing? <laughs> that was after two iterations of Linux to try and get to work. Yep. How's it? Hey. Keep going. I was going to putting out Windows uh, Mint Mint on it because I couldn't get... Linux it? Mint? Yeah. Sorry, Linux. Linux is quite similar to Windows to use. Um, I couldn't get... Um, kind of Coventry. Coventry, yeah. I could get it to run off the live thumb drive. That would not install. It failed on install every time. Um, So I went to Mint and it worked fine, except the one program that I wanted to run on it would not run even under Wine. I'm like, for crying (laughs) out loud. 
<laughs> Give up. So I went back to that. and uh, So, yeah, I hate computers at the moment. <laughs> but, like, it's saying to, it's telling me to upgrade to 7.1. There's a patch available. Please do it. Okay, I don't know. We don't support that. Like, but you just told me I needed <laughs> I need to, do to do it. it. Like, don't tell me I need to do it if you don't support. <laughs> yeah. I get that you're not supporting it anymore, but don't tell me I need to upgrade if you don't have the file there for me to upgrade it to. Something seriously broken <sighs> there. I ended up skipping the elementary for our game server now and just went full Ubuntu server because I don't need all the graphics no. drivers and GUI and KDE and stuff. So it's all just headless. Keep it lightweight. Yeah. yeah. How's your uh, Arctic Silver update doing? Yeah, good. I actually restarted the com- Well, because of the network dramas I was having today, it's the first time I've actually restarted the computer in a week and a half. Wow. So... <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's a bit lot. different than crashing ten times a night. Oh, it's huge. let me um, just quickly check now that it's th- it's still thirty, near, nearly thirty-one in here. I'd be curious to see what my um, what my temperatures are, given that like when it was twenty-one degrees in here, my CPU was sitting at eighty degrees, or my graphics card was sitting at eighty degrees. Bling. Um, so where are we sitting? I just had an idea. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Keeping in mind that I'm recording and screen sharing and all that sort of stuff. My CPU is sitting on 36. And my graphics card is sitting on... Temperature GPU, 52. There you go. So, you <laughs> used to sit on like 70 odd just idling. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a big difference. It's a little better. A little better. So apparently that's the trick if you're having heating issues. And I I don't have a water cooler. That's just an air-to-air. Yep. Heat, no, decent. Well, it's a pretty big cooler, but it's still only an air cooler. Um, there's no point putting a, a water on it because it would only run at ambient temperature anyway, which it almost is now. Yeah. So, so that's the trick. If you're having heating issues or cra- random crashing issues that you can't data log, which is what my problem was. I could never data log it because it, to data log it, you need to start recording. And the program, not, nobody's built a data logging program that logs, you know, every, you know, a thousand times a second or whatever. They all store the log in RAM. And then once you stop the program, it saves the Wait log. <laughs> So, no, that that's pointless because if you, you can't pick up a crash that way, no. Because once it crashes, you lose the log. Yeah, <laughs> that's dumb. So somebody needs to build a program data logging for like a stress test program, but it actually data logs at an insane rate, so that the chances of you catching what causes the crash is much higher. As long as it's not log four J that just about took down the internet with its <laughs> vulnerabilities this week and then it got patched and then log4 shell still wasn't patched so you could still get hacked i had to update the command line switches on our minecraft server so that it the logging on there also is a vulnerability that could mean someone could get into our server and then get into the rest of my network nice yes so it's just the problem is the log4g is used on every java server worldwide and also other java applications like minecraft and stuff Mm. Um, but it's maintained by one main guy and two others part-time and they don't get paid for it it's just something they started in their spare time so it wasn't you know funded to make it super secure or anything they just had to keep it maintained and updated with the latest technology features but they found out you could get it to download executable code and execute it and let someone take over your server. So there's a lot of availabilities going on about that at the moment. And I mean, look, nobody's saying Java's secure at the best of times. Like that, That's one of its biggest issues is Java is insecure. Realistically, it should never be used for what it's being used for. Yeah. It should not be... <clears throat> A powerhouse driving a server. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It just shouldn't be. But And for other things like Minecraft, sandbox it or something away from everything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I guess technically they're relying on the fact that if it is 
like they're relying on the fact that with Minecraft particularly, the people who host the servers generally they're all virtual systems or virtual machines or they're all physically independent machines. So there, there's no no worse case scenario they're going to steal your log files or something like that. there's no access to an external network that way they no. might get onto your minecraft server yeah. then where will you be that's, yeah i know right but that's <laughs> what i mean like that's sort of the worst thing that you could generally expect to happen but if like in our case running our own servers yep. um you do have that added layer of vulnerability there yeah but um yeah look you're pushing stuff uphill trying to make java secure yeah you can, <laughs> you can make it slightly less unsecure yeah i was i was reading somewhere a guy did a meme or something on twitter and he was saying the um oracle pops up that message saying when you're installing java java is now available on three billion devices worldwide you're like that's shockingly terrifying now yeah. We always knew Java was going to take everything down with it. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was exactly the same as Flash. It was no different. You know. How many times a day did you have to update Adobe Flash Player? <laughs> Wasn't that fun times? Uh, I, I think I used, I used went away from Adobe and I used um, uh, Fast Flash or something, some other program. Uh -oh. But it wasn't any. It was faster. Like, um, it didn't have the bulk that Adobe had, but, um, <coughs> bloat. <laughs> yeah. Like bloatware. But, uh, it, it well, I mean, it, using flash, it wasn't any more secure. Like it was just a different program to do the same thing. But I mean, you could, amount of times you could go to a website, you could like right click and go view source code. And it would literally have like the back end address of this web server sitting there. You could just go and log straight in like, <laughs> you know and then then say but, well, but I mean what's most of everybody's websites running on now WordPress or Joomla Joomla's yeah. not too bad but WordPress is horrific yeah it's got vulnerabilities the out the vulnerabilities and exploits and everything going on with WordPress and yet everybody uses it every day to build a website with my daily job <laughs> even at the moment I'm seeing a lot of hacks on WordPress servers that are 5.8 which is the latest one is 5.8.2 now because they brought out 5.8 and then found vulnerabilities. So they brought out 5.8.1 and then 5.8.2 and now they're on 5.9 beta. Yeah. But um, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of websites that uh, had got extra, but they're, they're trying to be sneaky. So instead of um, having you go to website.com slash uh, random subdirectory name or something like that the subdirectory name they're putting their um, hacked code into is wp dash mm. and then something so they got wp docs wp info wp serve because wp data like legit files because yeah wordpress yeah whereas they none of those uh real wordpress um folders but they look like they probably yeah. are and i thought at first some when I first saw a couple of them, I was like, "Oh, someone's hacked into hacked a um, plugin," because all the with WordPress, WordPress is, has vulnerabilities. The plugins have vulnerabilities. The themes have vulnerabilities. So you got to make sure all of them are updated. And the the links that bond them together have vulnerabilities. <laughs> the way that they're actually tied in. So I thought, "Oh, someone's done a crappy plugin a while ago, and now they found a way to exploit it." But no, it turns out it's probably just WordPress 5.8, 5.7, 5.4, I saw another one. But, um, yes, so there's a lot of spam being generated I got, using WordPress. I got a, a uh, website sitting there not doing it. It's not, not even really live. It's just sitting there. And I got an email that I saying, please update your WordPress. You're on version like 3.4 or something. <laughs> well, there's one. For, there's like... Uh, robots.txt or something it's the only file on the server so I'm not worried about it but I'm like yeah I probably should do that one day <laughs> I got an email in our work account today um, it spoofed our own our own email address yep and so it was it was our info at battery central uh, battery central .au, and it said please contact admin at battery central regarding password for this site. 
and it had our website yep. and it had the C slash C panel. Yep. So it was our our info account spoofing our or our admin account spoof address on sending an email to our info account getting us to log in to update our password for what looked like a legit cpanel login but it wasn't yeah i see so much it of that nearly caught me out like it looked legit like even when i went and clicked on show more and went through the details like because it was sent from our own server yeah like, it's only for the fact that i know that that's not a thing it was the only reason yep. that, uh, i knew it wasn't real but if you if you're just a normal you know i don't want to say a basic admin because that, that's degrading and I don't mean it in that way but if you're an, an admin assistant or a secretary or somebody who just handles emails and doesn't really understand how the back end works yep. that would look like a perfectly legit email uh, I mean, most bosses for that matter actually <laughs> they're more likely to do it than the secretary who am I, who am I to fool them but yeah it, it looked legit like it was such a weird I deleted it I shouldn't have deleted it I should have kept it so I could show you but yep. it was um I've never seen anything like it. Like it had our own logo. It had our everything. It had our security key. It had the whole lot. Like it was full on wow. spoof of our own address. Like somehow they've sent, they've sent it. It legit looks like it came from our address. Yep. It's bizarre. I'll have to see about if it's uh, upgradable to Joomla 4 because they've announced that's out now. So yeah, I, got I didn't want to do that. it straight away, but I get an email every day saying, don't forget to update us. Don't forget to update. I'm like, well, I don't want to just jump straight to four until everybody else plugins. has had a go for a while and we might have to jump to 4.01 or something. Yeah, and the worst part about that on a big, on a big step jump like that is breaking all your plugins. Yeah. I mean, I know you can roll it back, but it's like it's such a pain because especially if you've got a couple of dozen plugins because you might not realize that a couple of them are broken. If you go through and test the site, if you've got a web shop, for example, it might not actually legitimately be until the very last click on the buy it now when you've been through the checkout and everything that yep. could be broken. But you, you don't know these things. That's why it's a scary thing to do. Mm. Even just normal app creates to minor point versions. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it's um, I mean, it's bad enough something simple, I say simple, like a, a Windows up, like, like a Chrome or an internet browser update. Yep. The amount of things, because I use Canary as my, because I've got so many different users. I use Canary as my browser. Sony uses Chrome. We use um, Firefox and Oprah for work. And so, because Canary is a daily uh, developer version, it's quite common that they'll bring out a patch. They'll bring out an update that's just broken. Yeah. And it just will not work. And I'm like, ah. Uh, I hope they fix that because that's like literally my browser with all my stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I had, was it probably five years ago, I decided to revamp one of my websites and I thought I'll use one of those wiki applications and make it a wiki because it's all about the VZ programming and games and stuff. So I kept my current site, just moved the current one into a directory and then so I could restore it because it was all just HTML, plain HTML stuff that I wrote like 15 years ago or whatever. And I use one of those like a soft Oculus automatic install using cPanel. Yeah. And it installed it and I was working fine for a few weeks and adding in tons and tons of information by hand, photos and this and that, links to other websites. Then I got an automatic email from cPanel saying, hey, Softaculous Soft says uh, there's an update for this wiki. You should apply it. So I was like, oh, well, I want, don't want to have any vulnerabilities on the website. I'll update it. So you logged into cPanel, went to the Softaculous, hit update willy. Willy? <laughs> update my willy! What control panel are you going to? <laughs> And update the wiki, and it did. And then I went to the website, and it now got stuck in an endless loop, redirecting round and round until the browser said too many redirects. And the whole site was unusable. I couldn't find any way to fix it. Roll it back, yeah. Roll it back, fix the code. So I was just like, well, I'm not going to ever do anything through the Softaculous update again or whatever. There might have been before Softaculous. There was another one that cPanel used back in the day as well, similar. Yeah to do the auto installations and updates. And every now and then I still get emails from cPanel saying, oh, your WordPress 
needs updating. I'm like, yes, I'll do it through the WordPress admin login. I'm not going to do it through cPanel because I don't trust it anymore. Mm. I lost all that work that I spent hours and hours creating a new wiki website. It's funny, you know, being a long-time user of cPanel, like I've used, you probably use it longer than I have. I've used it for 20 years or however long it's been out. Um, it's a horrible program. <laughs> but everyone insists on using it. But yeah. it's so clunky. It's terrible. I mean, it, I get it. I understand why they use it and I understand why it's there and why it's so popular because it is for people who don't do it for a living. It is relatively easy to use, relatively simple. There's a million pages of support available for it. And the main thing for me that I like about it is if you want to move to a new host, you go in, click do full backup, yep. put that into your main directory. The other host will download the full backup, click restore, and your whole website is restored on their server. Then you just redirect your yep. name servers and it's working 100%. Everything it does, all your mail forwarding, your mailboxes, passwords, um, automatic replies for emails, out of office, DNS entries, you name it, everything about the website. Mm. Just get stored in one tar GZ file. The other ones download it, bang, it's back up. So I've gone through, you know, half a dozen hosts until I found Venture IP, which are great. But um, yeah, if I ever, I'm not, I don't have any reason to leave them because yeah. the, the site's been up longer than anywhere else. <laughs> and I don't, if I need to ring, I'm not on hold to America for 50 minutes, mm. running up my phone bill to try and get support and find out that it's like 2 a.m. and nobody works there. But um yeah, that's why it's fantastic for me. But I mean, that that as I said, like there are several reasons to use it. That's one of them. Also, it handles webmail pretty well, whether you use WebScrew or whatever. Um, and it, you know, it's got its metrics are horrible. Its logging is horrible. There's a lot of stuff you can't see in C cPanel. Like a lot of the time, we were, we were having um, we were being blocked for spam a lot, and we couldn't see anything in cPanel. I had to get a hold of Glenn, and he looked in the back end, and after digging through a million tons of log files, he eventually found it in the back end what the problem was. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff that is still crippled that you can't see as a user. You can only see as an admin to the to the back end of the site. Yeah, you need um, a WHM login. Yeah, and for multi, especially if you're running multiple sites under the same account, it does not like that. Uh, it really struggles with that. And but I mean it, it's a it's a horrible program like it's buggy it's crashy but once again like Java like WordPress you know, like Flash everywhere. like WordPress it's just there it's <laughs> it's what everyone uses it's not the best it's the so, other thing I was going to yeah. add to the list that started off Adobe PDF reader <laughs> Acrobat reader started off with a simple little ghost script reader and then they bloated it out the wazoo so it's like you know. 500 meg to download and it has embedded fonts and it can be programmed and you can have forms you can fill out and lock it and password and suddenly it's is, this big bloated mess and you'd send somebody a pdf and it can hack their computer but the funny thing is adobe's is as you said 500 meg or whatever foxit pdf reader which is what i use does literally everything adobe does and more and it's like 33 meg yep <laughs> I went with a new one, um, Sumatra PDF, which is also oh, yeah. free and it's very lightweight. It's another good one. I'm going to stick with Foxit because we've got an account, um, like a paid account, which does unlocks all the features and there's no point changing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, like it's the same as Photoshop. Most professional photographers don't use Photoshop anymore. It's so bloated, slow, clunky. And you have to have a monthly it. subscription now because they won't let you use it otherwise. That's right, especially if you want like Lightroom or whatever. So most people now use GIMP. GIMP is becoming the fast, one of the fastest growing graphics image manipulation programs, hence the word GIMP. Yep. Um, on all platforms. On all, across, all, well, that's the other thing too. It runs across all platforms natively. Um, and it's fast, it's small, it's only a couple hundred meg. Um, a, a very low-end system can run it very fast. Yeah. You know, and if you need, you can run Inkscape if you need... Um, uh, SVG, yeah. If you need, um, I'm trying to think, Vector. That's it. Yep. Inkscape does Vector because GIMP does Rasta. Is it Rasta? Hey, Rasta man, bitmap. The other one. 
the opposite yep. of Vector. I think it's Raster. Yep, that's right. But yeah, um, so you know, and these are all free programs. You know, there's Lightscribe, which is yep. a, a like a publisher. I love Paint.net. Well, yeah. I mean, even that's handy for a lot of stuff now. It's surprisingly versatile. What was that one we used to use before Corel bought them? That was a Paint. Corel Draw. Program. No, it was another company. It was Paint Shop. Paint Shop Pro. Paint Shop Pro. Paint Shop and then Pro. Corel bought them, yeah. and then it was worth going with. Yeah, Paint Shop Pro. Really. They they integrated into Corel Draw. Paint Shop Pro was good. It was awesome. Uh, I used to use that a lot back. I mean, that's you <laughs> going back to uh, Microsoft Works days there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you said Microsoft yes. Works, Microsoft Money, and Paint Shop Pro. It was like... Yeah, I use that on everything. Paint and then you Pro had, was uh, where I first learned to do graphics and stuff. Netscape Navigator and and, uh, and uh, JView Pro was the JPEG viewer. And, uh, what was that one that looked like gold. a splattered cat? Earthen View or something? Oh, yeah. Earth, I think it was Earthen View, something, something like, like that. Yeah. IRFAN or I, IFRAN or something like that. Yeah. And it had a red cat that was yeah for the icon. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that and a... that's uh, this week <laughs> in Old uh, Fuck Geeks. <laughs> We're covering everything this week. Uh, probably should cover some news, I suppose. What? The city of Adelaide has picked up TPG Telecom to replace its free Wi-Fi network at a cost of $4.8 million. Since 2014, the network was built and run by hometown telco Internode, with Internode's parent winning the contract for initial five years. TPG is set to replace the current mix of mesh, wireless, fibre and copper-based technology with a fibre network built on the 10 gigabit Adelaide network that TPG built and increase the number of access points by 25%, taking the total to over 250. ADL free powered by TPG will be an integral service for the community as Adelaide prepares to welcome back more tourists and international students while also servicing the needs of all city users and residents, the Lord Mayor said. Not only will the new Wi-Fi assist businesses in the CBD and help position Adelaide as a leading centre of investment. The funding for the network upgrade is co-funded by Commonwealth and City of Adelaide under the 10-year $699 million Adelaide City deal and work will commence in early 2022. Mm. Late Tuesday night, it was announced a $60 million Digital Technologies Academy was approved at Lot 14 under the Adelaide City deal. At a time where more and more high-tech jobs are coming online here in South Australia, it's absolutely vital we can train the talent to take over these jobs, Premier said. South Australia is unashamedly the space defence and cyber state, and it's my aim to create a pipeline of jobs in these industries so we can put the brain drain behind us and be the country's beacon for major companies in these areas. Construction is penciled in before commencing in late 2023. Yeah, well, awesome free Wi-Fi network for Adelaide. Hmm. It's um. I know Aussie Broadband's been talking about doing it for Melbourne, soon as they occupy vast majority of that now. Or the optic, yep. the black, the uh, dark fibre that was there. So, yep. Yeah, they're talking about that, but I think at the moment Aussie Broadband's so um <coughs> overtaxed with their data consumption because they're growing at such a huge rate. They the new II Borg. <laughs> yeah, they kind of don't want to, um, you know, don't want to overload the network. Obviously, it's something they've worked hard to achieve. What they've got, uh, which actually it's interesting. This wasn't the story I was going to do, but I just noticed at the corner of my eye while I was, um, while I was. You have of... stories jumping at you from the corner of your eye. Where do they come from, man? <laughs> well, technically, I was reading a. Uh, another story and I scrolled past that story and there was another story because I don't know why but so this chart here is um, the uh, busiest like during peak peak load the percent of um, the speed that you're you're expected to to get Um, Aussie Broadband you know averages between busy hours, all hours, and like even their busiest time, they they sort of don't, you know, they hit about ninety five, ninety eight percent of their plan speed. 
but I don't believe this chart because I know for a fact I don't know any like they're saying Dodo and I promise don't drop off at all. <laughs> um, which it's we some know champagne is, comedy. And then they're saying like Exitel, for example, they reckon is above a hundred percent speed on a regular basis, even during their busy hours, and almost a hundred percent on their very busy hours. Right. I was with Exitel for one month. That was enough. And I was on their 2100 plan, and I did not see more than 5 meg the entire time I was with them. Jeez. And I've heard that a lot through XFL. So I don't know where they're picking this chart from. It doesn't say where they're I know. It. Well, it comes from the ACCC, apparently. Like this, wow. uh, this chart shows results from major NBN fixed line plans, and it's the ACCC's report on on internet yeah they just make up numbers well they're saying that optus was able to provide 99 percent of plan speed during the business hours which is defined as the fifth lowest hourly average download speed followed by exitel on 96.9 telstra with 96.6 and dodo and i promise on 95.3 oh and that provided 93 aussie broadband 93 vodafone could only hit 90 percent and superlook dragged the chain at 80 percent 84 88 percent um but i, I don't I don't understand how they're, they're coming to this conclusion. These must be burst speeds, I would say, not sustained speeds, because, like, I know full well that I've been with a lot of these providers, and I have friends who are with a lot of these providers. And, um, feel sorry for them. They're not even come close. Like, they're saying IINet is averaging, you know, 93% or something but I got friends who are with iron and they're lucky to get 50-60% of their speeds continuously like you'll get higher burst which I'm I'm assuming that that's, they don't say how they've measured this see no. <clears throat> um, you know who would have a good results would be Ookla <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially if I had done that story but um yeah, so I don't know. It's just weird. They don't say how their how their met, how their metrics are working. And the other thing that I say is what what speed plan that is, and what they're doing. Are they streaming 4K or are they just checking a couple of emails and going, yeah, that's fast? Because they're talking about like they don't say the plan speed, but down here they're talking about saying, oh, it's kind of irrelevant because video conferencing only uses two meg a second, and <laughs> so but. <laughs> If you're paying for a 20 meg, you're paying for 100 meg, you don't want 2 meg. Like, <laughs> there's no reference. This is the problem with, with these sort of statistics. There's no reference point to work from. Yeah. Anyway, that wasn't the story I was going to do. I was going to do another um, NBN story, though. Yep. Um, oh, what have I done? Close the wrong picture. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> you can have that one. Uh, so, NBN. The company responsible for Australia's national broadband network has once again revealed the amount of copper it's purchased in its existence. However, this time they decided to add the amount of optic fiber as well. So as of 2021, <coughs> NBN has purchased 361,000, well, basically 500 kilometers of optic fiber. Um, it said, the relatively small amount of copper purchased, 61,000, so, yeah, it's not too bad. It's, it's, large, it's about 5%. It's largely used to connect the new optical fiber to existing legacy networks. But the thing is, in October 2015, NBN kicked off and they already had 1,800 kilometers of copper purchased. And then by February 2019, they were at 30,000 kilometers of copper. So in the first four years, they put in 30,000 kilometers of copper. Which means that in the following two years, they're putting 32,000 kilometers of copper. So while statistically, yes, they're using more op more optic fiber than they are copper, they've doubled their copper usage in two years compared to what they had the previous four years of the NBN. And what they should have done is <laughs> snip and thrown it all out. NBN's previously said copper it used the link between existing pillars and new nodes as well as for extensions to fibre to the curb deployments and for lead-ins to reach FTTCs. Last week, NBN revealed it replaced 21,000 FTTC connection devices in the six weeks to mid-November as Lightning has continued to fry boxes. On Monday, NBN released... Well, put, 
How many what? fiber networks have gone down from lightning? Um, none. Well, I don't know. If the lightning strikes the power lines, you can still fry them. Unless they put in lightning um, protectors, but, you know. Um, on Monday, NBN released a second sustainability report and pledged to purchase 100,000 renewable energy... Supposed to be 100% renewable energy on December 2025, as well as 20% around 80 gigawatt annually by the end of 2023. So, <coughs> but yeah, um, it's interesting that they're saying, yeah, we're putting on all this optic fiber, but it's a lot of copper. Like, yeah. if you're joining an FTTC fiber to the curb, I guess the lead ins from the curb to the house would be copper mm. but why if you've got fiber to the curb why is the leading from the curb to the house not fiber <laughs> why is it copper like this is the dumb part you've gone to all the trouble of running the fiber two literally three foot from the house yeah and then when oh you can just have copper yeah like <laughs> you probably have the the fiber comes into that box and then copper out to all the houses from there but you've got to remember that this is what they've purchased not including the existing infrastructure that they already had. Yeah. Because our entire town here is copper. Yeah. Our exchange is copper. From this exchange to Ipswich exchange is copper. And most of Ipswich is copper. Yeah. <laughs> Except for a couple of newer states, one of which has got 3G. Wow. They don't even have 4G and there's no internet. <laughs> Literally, they're given 4G boosters and said, here, use this, and they're connecting at 3G maybe on a good day. Jeez. And that's one of the brand new housing estates that have just gone in. I saw, <laughs> briefly saw an article that was saying there's no guarantee that any new brownfields are going to have uh, fiber or anything like that. No. When they should all be because it's all brand new Infrastructure. estates. I mean, the thing is, how you're already running trenches because they're all underground cables now. You're already yeah. running trenches to put power in. Yeah. How hard is it to put a line beside it? Yep. Like I would put copper <laughs> line, not none of that fancy yeah. glass stuff. For but us. even if they put copper in, it's still got to be better than what they've got, which is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Ridiculous. So dumb. Amazon intends to close down Alexa Internet, the well-known internet statistics and analytics provider, by May, May 1 next year. The online retailer said in a brief announcement. Now, this is not the Alexa, yeah, Alexa smart devices. This was a company they bought. Alexa Internet was founded by digital librarian Bruce DeKale and Bruce Gilliatt in 1996 and acquired by Amazon in 1999. The company took its name from the Great Library of Alexandria in Egypt and operated as a site crawler and archiver initially, creating the Internet Archive database, adding search functionality and analytics during the early years of Amazon ownership. Kale said that Alexa Internet's computing infrastructure for processing big data was one of the innovations that underpinned the Amazon Web Services cloud. In recent years, the Alexa Ranking had become a measure of websites' popularity, providing data on different traffic measures such as daily visitors and page views that the company would certify. Alexa collected the statistics with a tracking toolbar initially and later on moved to data gathering with browser extensions and web page scripts. Existing Alexa subscribers could download their data up until 1st of May next year. Yeah, it's just on their website. And um, <clears throat> it says we'll be retiring alexa.com, which is... Uh, it's. Technically a different company, but it's the same name. It's still Alexa. Mm, I think it's probably where they got the name from. But we're retiring Alexa.com on May 1st, 2022. So how many people you think are going to be lined up to buy that at auction? Yep. <laughs> They'll probably keep it and put their um, smart devices there instead. I was going to say, how dumb would Amazon be to get rid of that? Yep. Like, it's Alexa. Like, it's literally their, <laughs> their it's branding. Yeah. So, but... Uh, yeah, it, that's, I was just reading the um, Alexa. Uh, 25 years ago, we founded Alexa Internet after two decades of helping you find, reach, and convert your digital audience. We made the difficult decision to retire Alexa.com on May 1st, 2022. So we And a lot of companies use that in their IP reputation calculations to say if a website is reported for spam but is highly ranked in Alexa, then maybe not 
block emails uh, because they're highly ranked, so it's actually probably illegitimate. Mm. Now they have to find somebody else for their feed. The um, top sites will be Web Information Service APIs. What will happen to the APIs? The APIs will be retired on December 15th, 2022. So they get an extra year out of the APIs. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So it means that any, even though existing customers are end of April, uh, the last day they can get data via API, December 15th. Uh-huh. What will happen to scripts? If you have a script that continually runs on a scheduled run, the script should be turned off before December 15th. If it's not, the script will only receive 410 gone errors. Yep. So... Well, uh, if I compare the API data with Alexa.com, will it remain active? The Alexa.com site will remain active until May 1st. After that, will no longer have access to Alexa. So, it's interesting. They're wrapping up really quick, too. Like, their last... Yeah. December 8th was their last... What did it say? Yeah, December 8th was their last um, subscription exception. Mm-hmm. But existing will be up until May. And then at the end of May will be the last... No more subscriptions will be renewed. So, yeah, they're wrapping up real quick. We're not hanging around with that one. No. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so, from one telco to another, Telstra has paid $2.5 million fine lev- levied at the Australian Communications and Media Authority after a regulator found what described as large-scale privacy and safety breaches. Oh, no, where are they going to find the money? Because, you know, that's never happened to Telstra before. The first was Telstra failing to mark a customer's phone number as silent in the integrated public number database. Even though people pay for that privilege. 50,000 times. They just didn't do it. Which allowed them to be published to phone directories. The second was Belong failed to update the directories on its customers on more than 65,000 times. Australian telcos required to upload customer phone numbers, name addresses, and whether the number is silent to the database. Database can be used by triple zero emergency services and law enforcement. Uh, when people request a silent number, it's often very important privacy and safety reasons, and we know the publication of details can have serious consequences. The provision of these critical services can be hampered and lives put in danger if data is missing, wrong, or out of date. It's alarming to us we get this so wrong on such a large scale. Who did this a couple of years ago? Wasn't it like IONET or someone dodgy like that? Did Same exactly one. the same thing? They They're like Lord Farquaad in um, Shrek. Some of you may die, but that's the chance I'm willing to take. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Because um, they can yeah. literally, if it's domestic violence thing. Well, and it's not only that. It's also, especially now, that you can literally take a phone number with you anywhere in the country. Because mm. my in-laws have their O2 number from New South Wales, even though they live in Queensland. Ah. Yeah. Um, that's handy. Which is great for not having to change the phone number. Yep. But can you imagine not updating that database, having the O2 number, which was originally in Evan's head, so if that number comes up on caller ID for police or fire or whatever, ambulance, yep. they dispatch... To the wrong place. To, you know, Evan's head, um, you know, fire department or whatever. And it's the time wasted, especially if the people are non-responsive and can't talk. You know, they, they rely on that phone number to be uh, at a particular address. So if that number never got updated to the current address up here... You'd never find them. No. Um, alongside Telstra, other telcos were handed remedial direction at the time, included Optus, Vodafone, WAPT, Agile, Chime Communications, Powertel, Promise Communications, Symbio Networks, and Transact. Everybody. How hard is it to do the thing that you do every day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In May, AMC issued Leica Mobile with a $604,000 infringement after it failed to pass an emergency info 246,000 times. Two days later, AMC issued formal notices to Telstra, Optus, and Alia Mobile for not verifying new customer information. <laughs> Medion Mobile, which powers Alia Mobile, is owned by Lenovo, was caught on 53 occasions. Telstra was found to have breached its obligation 52 times, and Optus was pinged for one violation. Now you know where you can get your burner phone from. Yeah, I was going to say, you can get them from Aldi. I was always sus on Aldi for that, because I've had a couple of their phone, their prepaids. Um, yep. Just in these like candy bar phones because they're great because their subscriptions last twelve months for twenty two dollars or something. Yep. And they've never asked, like I've, I normally ask for your driver's license number or whatever to verify, and 
the last couple of times I've done it, I just hit random keys on the keyboard and pressed OK, and it goes, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a problem with them being burner phones, but it's like, you know, um, I also understand why the ACMA do what they do. It's to stop, it's specifically to stop burner phones from occurring, but yep. it's like somebody like Aldi, I wouldn't expect. Given that they're a, I mean, okay, they're not a telco, they're a, a retail operator, but normally... On the Telstra network. Well, yeah. But, they're, you know, being a retail store, normally they're pretty on the ball with, with that sort of information. Yeah. You know, I'd expect a telco to be, like, especially one of these, you know, Medion Mobile or what was this other one? Um, Leica. Leica Mobile or, you know, Transact or Simeo Networks, one of these no-name ones, I like it's very popular with people like uh, from India and stuff like that because they have discounted calls yeah. international. Man, they got see they're purely uh, IP based. Um, they make some nice cameras. Man, they've got horrible delay. Yeah, like there's my um, I got some friends overseas who use it purely because of that reason. It's basically free unlimited international calls. And it's all IP. It's it's basically like trying to talk on Skype, but with like fifteen bounces in the middle. <laughs> it would be close on five second round trip delay. Yep. So you 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 almost have to talk like you're talking on a CB, and you have to put like over <laughs> at the end of it so they know when you finish talking because <laughs> there's such a long lag time between when it gets there. <clears throat> so. Australia, Japan, and the United States will jointly fund the construction of a new submarine internet cable system connecting the three Pacific nations. The cable is intended to be used for internet connectivity by the federal states of Micronesia, <clears throat> Kiribati, and Nauru, according to a joint statement published by the U.S. Department of State. It will interconnect with the Hantru One, a cable system that runs between FSM and Guam and was funded by the U.S. Army. The project was first revealed by Reuters back in September and places a previous cable project that would have been built by Chinese companies and was backed by the World Bank and Asian Development Bank. This six-country collaboration highlights our commitment to work together on critical telecommunications infrastructure and contribute to reliable and secure internet for the region, the country said. Australia's Minister for Foreign Affairs, Maurice Payne, was represented in the joint text. We will continue to coordinate closely with the World Bank and the Asian Development Bank to ensure this project complements the investments by these institutions to enhance digital connectivity in FSM, Kiribati and Nauru. This is more than infrastructure investment. It represents an enduring partnership to deliver practical and meaningful solutions at a time of unprecedented economic and strategic challenges in our region. Yeah, and I mean, and how long have we been saying like the undersea cables are maxed out? They've got to be upgraded. So and they get they get eaten by sharks. Uh, not generally. It's a little hard for them to get through steel reinforced cable, but you know. Recently, there was a news article about it. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm sure it, it probably does happen, but it's not not common. It's usually boat anchors and uh, stuff like that that tear them up. Um, I can't see sharks. Or maybe the old ones, because maybe the old ones weren't like carbon fire reinforced or or steel reinforced. Yeah. All the new ones are. They're all um, like you can basically, you know, you you basically not under they're indestructible. But the old ones maybe not so much. Um. But yeah, no, I think I was reading statistics saying that, like. The average is like 600 breakages a year and something like 400 of them are like boat anchors. Yeah. So, and then like cyclones and giant waves or um, uh, disruptions like earth shifting and stuff can break some of them or stuff like that. But yeah, that's, I mean, <clears throat> it's a big job. It, it's not a hard job. I was watching um, a video on them actually doing it. It's quite a... I say easy job in terms of like there's a massive spool of cable on a ship and they just drive the ship in a straight line and drop it to the bottom of the water. Like it's not hard in that respect, yep. but you've got to map out, you've got to make sure it's in a deep trench. You've got to make sure it's not going over like rocks that it can wear through and it's got to be on, you know, not going over like you're not crossing over ravines that it can string over. And yeah, so it, it's, it's quite a complex Thing well to do. planned 
Yeah, it's not real hard. It's very comp- very complex. And then uh, the part that I found cool was where they were joining the old spool and the new spool. Like, there's about five guys working on it. <coughs> it's all yep. done by hand still. And the boat's doing this because they're in the middle of the, the <laughs> in the middle of you know the death sea somewhere, <laughs> and the boat's doing this and it's doing this and it's doing this, and the guys are sitting there just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> you don't you've got see you don't see legs, you got see arms, you got see eyes, you got see everything. Like, it's <laughs> and then yeah, they string and string them together and fix them and wrap them and, and the cables just getting thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. Yeah, it's pretty cool to watch actually. <laughs> um, so that'll be good. We'll have faster internet to Micronesia, which isn't a bad thing because that's a developing, very technologically developing area. It's like India. It's surprisingly very high technology. I think whenever I checked stats for downloading our shows, Micronesia was one of the biggest. It actually, yeah, it's weird, but it is. Um, Micronesia, and I was checking um, the Aussie Techhead ones the other day. And Hawaii has like a very Ripping large in Hawaii. Yeah, has a very large Hello, <laughs> download. Hawaii. I don't know. They're desperate for entertainment or I'm not sure what's going on there, but I'll have to go there so I can get laid. Everyone gets laid when they leave the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um That's it for me. I have one quick one. Android games are coming to Windows PCs. Whoa. An upcoming Google Play Games app will let you resume games on a PC after playing them on another device. Um, Google announced a standalone Google Play Games launcher that lets gamers play mobile titles on Windows PC at the Game Show Awards on Thursday. The upcoming app will allow players to close out the game on a device and resume playing where they left off on another. This means you can switch between Chromebook, Windows PC and Android phone without losing game without losing saved game data. The app which is being built and distributed by Google, which is not surprising. Runs games locally on this system. No cloud streaming is required. So far, Google's only tested the service and briefly their clip. Some important details haven't been revealed. We do have a note set to arrive sometime in 2022. Um, clarified to an Android authority that the app does not represent a partnership between Google and Microsoft, but the search giant is working on Google Play independently. Significantly because Microsoft partnered with Amazon, not Google, earlier this year. This is significant because Microsoft partnered with Amazon, not Google, earlier this year to bring Android apps to Windows 11. Google Play has helped billions of people find and play their favorite games across multiple platforms. Um, Games on Google Play product... Wow, that's a title and a half. Games on Google Play product director Greg Hartel. It's not even like just Google Play product director. It's specifically games on Google Play product director. <laughs> Good job if you can get it. Starting in 2022, Google built product brings the best of Google Play games. So that'll be interesting. Um, I get that across Android devices. That's not that much of a stretch, but I'm not 100% convinced that a lot of those mobile games are going to work very well on PC. Especially the ones like where you do the, you're doing a lot of like that. Yep. You know. What about zooming in and out with the pinch? Pinching and zooming. I mean, obviously there's going to have to be keybinds and stuff. But Three I think, swipe. And... I mean, yeah. The, well, we've got at work our monitor on our main computer is a touchscreen, but it's only a basic touchscreen. It's not a multi-point. Yep. Um, Hold down three mouse buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume they're going to have key bindings in there um, somewhere. Or the, the, I mean, who knows? They might change the way it plays on a PC. And I mean, play if, Plants vs. Zombies on your PC? I do anyway. Plants vs. Zombies <laughs> is cool. I've got that. It's uh, actually a browser game. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of... there's, And that's one cool thing. Like, I don't know if you remember... Um, I can't remember what it's called. Boggle, I think. Yes. No, yep. was it Boggle? That dice one that used to play on... Yeah, what? Well, that's a browser game. Like a lot of these Facebook games, are browser games now. Um, there was that one. There was Farm Farmville Farm. Yeah, Farmville. It's just a basic browser game now. So a lot of these have actually stepped away from a specific distribution. And Words with friends. Words with friends. I was never really good at that. I like Angry Birds. 
Yeah. Angry Birds, I, I still I still play Angry Birds on the odd occasion. <laughs> Great fun. Thanks to everybody supporting us too for your coffee and what have you. Patreon and PayPal and all the however else you, you're doing. Yeah, it, uh, it helps us out. It really does. So thanks for that. Thanks for and thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us Will or Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au and go to AussieTechRadio.com 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey,